Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today in the show, we'd like to get, I assume this will probably be one of our last harvest reports, right, Darren? Well, it's probably a fall report as much as anything, because sure. for farmers who are done, so we're done harvesting and not, not trying to rub it in at all. I mean, not like we were rubbing in how we weren't getting rain all no, year, No, but too. we took out a lot of silage, so... Yeah, yeah I mean, we kind of cheated by harvesting a lot right. of silage. so we but, were done three weeks ago. But still, uh, for, for guys that are done, eh, the fall work isn't done. There's still more things to, to do and fix up out in fields, so even if you're not in a combine right now. We'd love to hear from you today. What are you working on out there in the fields? How are you getting ready for next year? How are you taking your operation forward? Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. All right. So just to give you a little update from our farm, we did finish harvest about three weeks ago and yields were surprisingly good. I didn't think because of the hail we had and especially the drought that we were going to have much of a crop at all. In fact, I'd been telling people for months, I was expecting a three quarter crop. Well, as it turned out, our corn was a full crop. Anywhere where we didn't have hail on soybeans, it was a full crop. It's just where we had hail, then we were down to 40 or maybe 50 bushels, which I know 40 or 50 doesn't sound bad. And I'm don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining all that much, but we average 65 plus. So, you know, when you go from 65, especially our best field, the field that got hit the worst with hail is our best soybean field. And that one should average 70, 75, and it made 40. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I, that's the way it goes. It's just part of the risk of farming, and and it's one of the things that we always have to deal with. But can't complain all that much. Uh, things actually turned out pretty good, and crop prices were obviously good. But anyway, as soon as the combines rolled through, or like I said, we chopped some silage too, as soon as we got done with those things, and as soon as we were out of certain fields, then we were right away pulling soil tests. And here's the number one thing that I want you to hear today. There is an unbelievable amount of nitrogen left in our fields, and there might be in yours as well. So if you haven't been checking, I'd encourage you to check. And you have a crazy in, uh, financial incentive this year to check. Because think about this. Even if you wanted to put 150 pounds of nitrogen out, which would be you know low for us, that's $150 this year. I mean, it might not be quite that much for you. You might only spend 120, but you also might spend 170. It's like, what? Nitrogen prices are ridiculous. Whereas you can go out and pull a, a nitrate test for five bucks. Five bucks. And I, I tell you too, like on our farm, we are pulling zero to six inch samples like we've done for years, but we're now going back and pulling some deep samples because there is a lot of nitrogen down deep. We know with some of the other stuff that's been done, uh, there's a lot more down deep than what we found. But even in the top six inches, on average, coming out of corn, we had 100 pounds of nitrogen in the top six inches. And I know in the next 18 inches, there's probably that much too. So my point is this. If you were thinking, oh, I got to spend all this money on nitrogen, and so I'm not going to raise much for corn next year, I'm going to go beans, I, you know, that's fine. It's your your crop, your land, you get to do what you want to do. But all I know is this, we're taking a bunch of our corn acres and we're going right back to corn when I'm sitting there with 200 pounds of nitrogen. Why would I not take advantage of that $200 that, uh, you know, yeah, if I go to beans, will the bean crop use it? Of course it will. 
But what good does that do? The beans didn't need it. They could have produced their own nitrogen instead of just taking it out of the soil. I want to put corn out there. I think the corn, well, the corn price already is good. I can sell corn for over $5 cash right out of the field next fall. So I start running the math, and I'm going to assume we're going to get normal rain next year after having a year and a half of, of very, very dry conditions. Well, if I go back to normal yield or above average yield, my goodness, it's a lot of money. And if I don't have to spend a fortune on nitrogen, which I now know that I don't, uh, that corn thing is looking a lot better. So anyway, that's really my number one thing I wanted to tell you today. If you haven't checked nitrogen, please do so. It could save you all kinds of money on your farm. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, you got a couple of soil samples here. This is from Andy, and he said, got some rented ground here. I'm a young farmer in southwest Minnesota farming with two uncles who are old school. Uh, we did some soil sampling, learning how to read these, plan to attend your clinics, but just wondering, we got rented ground here again. Is there anything you see that we should be jumping on here this fall yet? Oh, it's really hard because, and, and here's why I say that, because the, the levels of P and K are so low. They're just so low. I mean, it just makes me sad. And for we've you. got heavy dirt, so getting that K right. up is tougher. So to me, that says well, it's bandit. not tougher. It's not tougher. That's more it's, expensive. Well, yes, but it's not tough. It's just it costs a lot of money when you have heavy soil. The good news is it's going to take years to deplete it, and it's also not going anywhere. So when you put P and K out there, it's there until your crop uses it. And I don't care if that's 30 years from now. So yeah, if you own the ground, I'd be really excited because I see heavy ground and I go, ooh, yeah, I like that. Uh, we got good potential. But when you say it's rented, it's just, it's tough. So yes, what, what our recommendation's probably gonna be is banding. Strip till or doing stuff with a planter or actually probably both in your case. Because like I say, everything is really low. I, I mean, your base saturation Ks are around 2% and we wanna see them at four. And your phosphorus levels, and granted, it's variable throughout the field. And, and so if you did own the ground, and let's say you wanted to broadcast, we would tell you to do some variable rate phosphorus. But still, most of your areas are really low for phosphorus. So honestly, I'm not counting on getting a lot out of the soil for phosphorus. And I'm counting on only getting probably half out of the soil that I need for potassium. So those are real limiting factors. The other thing is your sulfur is low, your zinc is low, your manganese is low, your iron is low, your copper is low, and your boron is low. Not in all spots, but in most spots, that's what we're dealing with. So it's nothing to get that disturbed about because we've farmed ground like this before too and turned out just fine. But, but we would encourage you to band and don't just do P and K. Take a look at some of the micronutrients as well. Now, things like nitrogen, sulfur, boron, if you don't want to band those, I have no issue with that because they'll move in the soil well. But the rest of the stuff I would band and just count on not getting a lot out of your soil because unfortunately there aren't a lot of nutrients sitting there. Hope that helps. All right, thanks for the questions. We'll be taking more of your calls and questions right after this. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall, 
Learn more at caseih.com slash pharma. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, getting a harvest report or just a fall report from your farm. If you're done with harvest or if you're rained out and, and working in the shop today, love to hear what's going on on your farm. Compare some notes a little bit and talk about what's going on, what's going to be going on here over the next couple of weeks. Let's head down to the state of Missouri to start off. we got Derek on with us right now who sent a picture in and it looks like Derek's found a little time for some fun too. Derek, how you doing? Brian, Darren, hey, thank you so much for having me today and um, I've been wanting to, to tell you guys for the past couple of months, but there, there hasn't really been a topic on the show that um, that was close enough to this. But I'm the guy that called you guys back in the spring asking about a sunflower plot. And as you know, there wasn't a whole lot of options available with uh, with spray, with uh, chemical. And, um, man, we had such a good year. We actually started with uh, sulfentrazone and, and pendimethalin in the beginning. Okay. And, man, we had some really good residual control and actually did not have to spray beyond until about June on the sunflowers. And, I mean, they were just awesome. Obviously, we watered quite a bit. And um, everybody that came to dove hunt with us was like, these sunflowers are just incredible. You know, like, how, how in the world did you do it? And I said, hey, just call Brian and Darren. They'll take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Uh, I, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad the, uh, the recommendations worked out. But obviously, there's a lot of hard work to, to make anything successful. So, yeah, it looked like you had lots of doves down there. Yeah, we did. It was We had so much fun. And, you know, it was just so cool to get the kids out there and get them fired up. And they had such a good time. And it's just a great time to get everybody out together. And, again, guys, if it wasn't for you guys giving me that information in the beginning, it wouldn't have turned out like that. I just, I struggled online because there was just so much information online and you guys just did a phenomenal job, really just making it simple and kind of putting a bow on it, making it easy for me. So I appreciate what you guys did. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you. That's, uh, that's awesome. What, uh, what other things are happening around the farm? You, you have uh, good crops in your area? Yeah. So actually, I actually just planted some winter wheat about uh, two weeks ago for next year. And the winter wheat's actually coming up pretty good. Um, we had rain that next day, and we've had a lot of sun since then as well. So it's been a really awesome. good 
uh, really good winter wheat crop so far. So we're hoping to get some good wheat for the doves for next year. Yeah, our our winter wheat up here looks pretty good too. Now we don't have any on our farm, but but we've got other guys uh, around the area that do. And yeah, some of the guys have said they've got some of the nicest winter wheat coming they've ever seen. So that's fantastic for next year. Absolutely, it's beautiful, and you know, just a fun time too to be to be in this part of the country. I mean, you know, a lot of my buddies hunt, and everybody's kind of finishing up corn. It seems like corn's just about done, and everybody's ready to get out of combines and get into the tree stand. So. Yeah, just an exciting time of the year for everybody, and uh, just happy to be here. What did you see this year? So was the dove population way up? Are you seeing a lot more deer in your area this year? What, what's what been the wildlife uh, outlook? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. The dove population, so as you guys know, you know, the doves, they migrate a ton, and you got to be in a really good area where the doves naturally are. I just feel like we're in a good area on the flyway for the doves. Um, and two, food's such a big thing. You know, when it gets hot, they come out of the south, um, trying to get a little bit cooler climate there. And I really think if you have a good food source, those doves are going to stay. And I'm telling you guys, we even after we planted that winter wheat, we had some sunflowers that were still kind of scattered um, from the sunflower uh, plants there. And, man, they they stayed around even to mid-October. So um, if you got the food and if you're in the right area, you're going to have the doves. Outstanding. Outstanding. So you're seeing some nice deer out there. I, I know in our area, everybody gets nervous if they see just an amazing looking buck. They don't want to say a word about it to anybody else until yeah. after the fact. Yeah. You know, you don't hear about those big ones until somebody kills it, right? I mean, everybody's <laughs> kind of trying to hide their trail cam pictures. You know, if somebody says, hey, you got anything good on camera? You know, you send them like maybe a two-year-old or a three-year-old and kind of show them what you got there. But um, yeah, I've actually, I've got a pretty good four-year-old on camera and he showed up the last three nights. So I'm just hoping that once this uh, this vacation here starts with work here in a couple of days, it may be showing up in the daylight. But yeah, it seems like, you know, this late October cold front that we're getting that a lot of guys are, are killing some good deer and seeing a lot of movement. So it's always nice to have cold weather with that uh good calendar day you know right time of the year so we're excited you bet awesome well Derek thank you so much really appreciate talking to you it sounds uh sounds like a lot of fun you got looking or got to look forward to and and have been having so far so glad to hear it yeah stay in touch we really appreciate it Darren I appreciate it and one last thing before I jump off here I'm wanting to know like mid-April next year whenever I go to spray that winter wheat what would you guys recommend is that is that harmony is that the way to go what do you see for weeds what what normally are you fighting I would say mare's tail is probably the biggest thing that I see anyways. Yeah, so people used to use a lot of Harmony. That was one of the most popular things 20 years ago. The problem today is Harmony is a sulfonylurea, so it's in the uh, ALS chemical family, and a lot of our weeds, like mare's tail, are now ALS resistant. So you can go spray Mm -hmm. Harmony, and it's just not going to do a whole lot of good for you. So what a lot of people are doing today is they're using something else. So whether it's YDAR Match or it's Husky FX or something along those lines. So personally, if I had, well, first of all, mare's tail, we don't usually see a big problem with in wheat because wheat chokes it out. But I would probably go Husky. Uh, you can just go straight Perfect. husky. It only costs, you know, maybe $10 an acre, $10, $12 an acre if you use the full rate, something like that. So that's probably what I would do. Are, what else do you have for weeds out there? Is there anything else that's real concerning? 
No, Brian, we don't see anything um, this big time other than mayor's tail, but so you think Husky's probably the way to go. That's what I in do. That yeah, and it's not going to be perfect. Don't get me wrong. We don't have right. anything that's amazing on. Uh, so why on why it. not wide R match, Brian? Yeah, and you could go wide R match. That was, uh, that was my thought. So yep, yep. this would be interesting, Derek, to see. Yeah, see how it yeah. <sighs> okay, so this wide R match that we're talking about, it's got this new product. Uh, you can buy it straight. It's called Elevore from Corteva, mm-hmm. and it's basically a two four D replacement product that's. Probably about as good as 24D and weeds. It's just much easier on the wheat. And so you could go straight. Well, I don't even know if they have straight Elevore labeled on that now. But anyway, the wide R match is a combination of Stinger, Starane, and that Elevore component. So, yeah, you might be right, Darren. That might end up being better. I, I just, I, I got to be honest, Derek. We, we almost never answer a question on Mare's Tail, nor do I have anybody even doing anything with Mare's Tail in wheat because the wheat typically chokes it gotcha. out. So, okay. But, so, yeah, I, I mean, this, this new one, wide R match, might be the way to go. You, I, I think okay. you're probably right, Darren. But, yeah, and if there's Mare's Tail started in the fall and you haven't had a frost yet, I'd, I'd look at doing mm-hmm. a fall treatment with something. Yeah. Okay. And Brian, how do you spell that wide R match, if you don't mind me asking? Yep. Wide A-R match. Awesome. Okay. That's perfect. Okay. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. Thanks. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Let's head out to Ohio. Got Brett with us right now. Brett, how's how's things going in Ohio? Good. We're uh, harvesting this afternoon, Uh, harvesting some corn. We've had some wet conditions in the past week or so, so uh, we... uh, We've got a, like 60 acres of beans left, so we switched over to corn and uh, going good. It's not uh, too awful wet in the field. Uh, we did have the truck out in the field uh, off the road finally. So <laughs> That's usually good. a telltale sign. If the truck wants nothing to do with pulling into the field, uh, <laughs> it, it's not good because nobody wants no. to get pulled out. No, uh-uh. no fun at all. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, I'm glad to hear you're back in there. I know some some folks have really had some terrible wet conditions. So, what have you been able to do any field work to speak of any any prep for next year? Or it's just man, any day it's dry enough, you're just trying to get harvest going. No, we've I actually uh, they were uh, cutting beans. I was able to get about 400 acres of wheat planted, and I got a little, we use uh, chicken litter for our phosphorus program awesome and i got uh, most of it worked in tell you the truth we had uh, some ground that we had some compaction so i used the ripper on and then uh, vertical tilled a lot of the other uh actually hit uh probably half the stalks too at the vertical till uh, we like to knock them down in the fall and then uh plant right into them in the in the spring then just awesome. want to try to get that fodder just uh mixed in just a little bit yeah, it's it's really fun, and I know uh, a lot of times people say, "Oh man, you can't get harvesting done." There's probably nothing else going on, but there's so many other jobs that that everybody's been working on. And uh, wow, Brad, it sounds like you have been a busy boy. Well, thank you so much, Brett. Really appreciate talking to you today. Good luck here. Sure. Stay safe as you're finishing up harvest. All right, thank you. You bet. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, getting a harvest report. We'd love to hear how things are going around you. The phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Mm-hmm. 
Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering all this and more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There is a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5VC or visit BelchumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open today at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question or just want to talk about what's happening around your farm, you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Got Mark on with us right now, who is probably out harvesting, I'm guessing. Mark, how are you doing? Good, and you? Good, good. You been uh, been wet down there, or you been doing okay? Uh, we got finished up, but uh, I don't know that uh, I've ever been rained out so many times without being muddy as we have this year. Wow. Uh, just get a, get a quarter inch, and you'd be out for three or four days because of cloudy weather. It's the hardest thing i ever seen. Huh. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. This year has been, been definitely been a strange one. Yeah, yeah. So how did yields uh, turn out? Kansas, that's, 
Oh, uh, pretty good. Um, we had probably, I had the best soybean yields of, and, and corn I've, I've ever had across the whole place, other than the the massive drowned out spots from the big the big rain we got in uh, the first and second week of June there. But uh, overall, it was pretty good. Excellent. Well, when you get a good price year and get a decent crop, that's uh, that's a fun time. Yeah, yeah. If you were smart enough to sell when they were high, you know, they <laughs> kept talking dry weather up north and kind of missed, uh, captured some at the high, but missed quite a few bushels. You know how that goes. Well, it's still it's still a good price, though, so it's not like it's terrible. Oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, we could, it could be a lot worse. Unless unless you're pricing fertilizer, then then it's definitely not high enough. How about uh, how about yeah, where you're at? Is we, is fertilizer tight supply? Is is it just going crazy there too? Yeah, it, it's went crazy. Um, that was one of the things I want to talk to you about today. The uh, um, last year, you know, we was putting out our fall blend with our uh, with our grid sampled uh, prescriptions, and it was costing about between 35 and 45 dollars an acre and this year it's about 120 wow yep so it's it's went up quite a bit okay. um what 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 do you guys think there i mean would you be better off to cut back and and just put on half the rate or what what what's your guys' thoughts there well, what we're always going to say, Mark, is we want to see the soil test and see what could we technically get by mining out of the soil for a year and what do we desperately need. So this is why, like here on the show, we've been talking quite a bit this fall about just the comparisons we run between yield and fertility on all these different GPS points throughout our fields. And it's really shown us, like, for example, on our farm, I'm not saying this is true for you, but like for us, we can't cut fo- or can't cut potassium. That's our number one thing. If we cut potassium, our yields go down just period. Uh, but on the yeah. other hand, we do have some fields now that we built up so much on P and K that, you know what, we could actually mine a little bit out and we'd be fine. Uh, I'll also tell you that typically the studies that I've seen have always shown that the first half of your fertilizer gives you the best return on investment. So that part sounds good, and I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what I am saying is I don't care if my return on investment is lower. If I still have a positive return on investment, I want to keep doing stuff. So if you say, well, let's cut our nitrogen in half, that might be okay this year because we were talking earlier in the show. We have all kinds of carryover nitrogen in a lot of our fields. So we can get by because we soil tested. We realize, oh, hey, you know what? We actually can cut nitrogen. It's not going to hurt us at all. Uh, but if we were short on nitrogen and we cut, well, then that could really, really hurt our yield. And then we're even further behind. So the the key lesson that our dad taught us about the 1980s and getting through when times are tough, as he said, just don't ever, ever, ever cut anything that's making you money. If something's making you money, you got to keep doing it, even though, yep, I know the price is high and their expenses and everything. But let's look at the flip side. We do have pretty good 2022 commodity prices. And so you just got to start running the math and say, all right, is it going to be worth it for me to put on this extra fertilizer? But, you know, we do know with things like P and K and zinc, the the nutrients that are pretty immobile in the soil, if you band them, then there's a better chance that your crop will use them in year one. Whereas if you broadcast, most of that fertilizer is not going to be used in year one. So I'm with you that, hey, you know, there probably are some things we need to cut. It's just we got to try to be smart about it. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of this ground was in cotton for, you know, 50, 50 years, and their, uh, their practice was you harvest the crop, shredded the stalks, and, and uh, you know, put out 200 pounds of potash. Well, they never put out any phosphate, and, uh, Ooh. like, some of the stuff calls for 200 pounds of phosphate and, like, 50 pounds of potash or 80. So we were thinking about maybe just going two-thirds of the rate of the phosphate and, and not putting the potash out this year is kind of only what we've been talking about, but sure. we haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, yep, yep. So, but yeah, I mean, as long as you're doing some soil testing and using some data to make the decisions, yeah, I mean, we all have to figure out, okay, where are we best, where are we ahead to spend our dollars this year? Because it seems like everything's a little more expensive and fertilizer is, in my opinion, ridiculous. It's like three times the price of last fall. So that goes right along yeah, with the numbers yeah. you were talking about earlier. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I've been in this building program for, you know, three or four years now, and, and we've taken soybean yields from 50 to, you know, 85 to 90 bushel. So there's no doubt that it's that it's paid. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you, it's know, just, you, it was, you hate to break yourself to, right. to put it on there. Don't well, you? it was just a lot more fun last year. I should I, I won't even do it because I know this will just upset people. I was just going to pull up what we paid last fall for fertilizer prices. But <laughs> I'll just say this. We were on a big build program last fall. And, yeah, commodity prices at this point last fall weren't great. But we just said, man, fertilizer's at like a 15-year low, and we know we need to do some build here, so let's just go for it. And we just – we really love out so yeah it's it hasn't been a whole lot of fun fertilizing this fall when every load is just tens of thousands of dollars it's crazy yeah yeah it can really it can give you sticker shock in a big hurry <laughs> yep that's for but sure on the flip side of it there's no doubt that it pays too so i guess there's a fine line in there somewhere yep yep that's for sure all right well hey uh, mark it's been great talking to you today good luck down there okay thank you you bet all right, Brian, got a soil test question that came in from Jim, but more about just overall how to read it. He said, hey, guys, I, I love your show. Wish uh, wish it was even longer. Often on the show, you're talking about soil sample test results, and on your TV show, you have graphics up that have your soil analysis reports yep. with charts with a bunch of columns. Yeah. My question is, is there a good textbook reference or other educational reference books with expanded comprehensive issues or I'm sorry, comprehensive info on each of these columns like pH buffer, cation exchange, so forth. Not just the the short blurbs that I get when I contact the USDA. I'd like something a little more in depth. Just wonder if you had a reference book. Well, we've talked a lot about Neil Kinsey's hands-on agronomy book. I really like that. But in terms of is there something that, let's say, universities put out or anything else, I don't know exactly what that would be. And let me also say this. I just remember this when I was back in college, and I had some professors that were great, and they spoke my language, okay? But then there are others who spoke in a language that I didn't understand. And that, I think, is a lot of the problem and why a lot of farmers don't read their own soil tests because they were never taught in a fashion that was simple and easy to understand. Now, I'm not saying that farmers aren't smart. There are farmers that are super smart. But we have, as farmers, a million other things to do. We only have so much time, and we're not going to spend weeks and months trying to figure out how to read a soil test. I mean, you should be able to, to your point, just read some stuff, get some information, and you're good to go. 
So my suggestion for you would be, yeah, you could read Neil Kinsey's book, but otherwise, why don't you attend our two-day free Ag PhD Soils Clinic we're putting on this winter? I think it's the it's the middle of January. You can look it up on our website, agphd.com. But anyway, again, it's free. So we're not trying to sell you anything, pitch you on anything. We don't really care. We're just trying to help you understand soil tests because the way I look at this thing is it's good for all farmers when every farmer knows what to do with soil fertility because let's face it we as farmers are under attack from non-farmers and they're 99 percent of the population they don't believe we're doing a good job and if we don't have the right information and the right knowledge to do a good job well then we're going to cause problems out there and we're all going to get way more regulated so as a person who hates regulation that's part of the reason why i say come to our soils clinic and part of the reason why we do this for free because we just don't want any farmer to get in trouble and any farmer to get all the rest of us in trouble so anyway we'll answer more of your questions right after this it's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you've been waiting to call in or if you've got a question, we'd love to hear from you today. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to New Jersey, land of the best sweet corn in the world, I hear. And one of the guys that raises it is our friend Ray Bohax. Ray, how you doing? Hey, very good, very good. Thank you for having me on. How are you guys doing? I've been enjoying the show listening to it today. Awesome. Well, we're doing good. We're in better shape than guys in your area because our harvest is done because it didn't rain every other day like so many guys in your area are getting. My goodness, is it ever going to stop raining out there? It's it's actually drizzling right now, and I'm in Warren County, New Jersey, which is in northwest New Jersey, and I it's today is, what, November 2nd? Uh, we raised sweet corn, so we were done a long time ago, no, uh, September 15th, but I have not seen a combine yet. I don't know what a combine looks like in a field in this part of Warren County. Yeah, it is so frustrating for guys that have got beans out there, and I know there's been corn that guys have said has been ready to go for a while and they just can't get to it. It's it's no good, Ray, but uh, you know what? Life goes on, and we keep working on other things. What are you working on right now? Are you working on uh, farmmachinerydigest.com, or, or are you working on some radio stuff? I know you do uh, do a lot. Well, basically, today I was playing hooky from all of that, and I was uh, checking my cover crop because we're supposed to get our first frost tonight, so I wanted to go out there and see how it looks before it possibly gets dinged up. But... Uh, as far as the farm is concerned, all I really need to do uh, on my fields is to start to take down my temporary electric fence. We put a temporary electric fence around the sweet corn, so I have to get that down. But my cover crop is in and looking great. Uh, we got hailed out with a lot of our sweet corn, so I actually planted my cover crop on September 15th, which I've never done that before that early. So, uh, hey, it's like everything in life, right? It's a double-sided sword. I got a great cover crop, right? So, uh, <laughs> we had some of our best cover crop this year too, Ray. Hey, yeah. a question for you now. You, you mentioned the electric fence around the sweet corn because so much, now, not everybody's doing it on a larger scale like you are, but everybody's got a small little patch, and without question, raccoons and deer and other animals are going to find it. So how do you keep them out, and, and can you do a really good job keeping them out? Well, I'll tell you a quick story. We, we About 10, 12 years ago, we used to get hit terribly with the deer. We still have a lot of deer, there, but I put, I put the fence up, and the fence also, it's an electric ribbon, but it also has an odor on it. it has a, it's a, from a company called Messina Wildlife, and it's that deer stopper, like you would, uh, they call it a plot saver. And actually, believe it or not, the plot saver, the odor, is a lot more effective than the electric as far as the deer is concerned, but nothing stops the bear. And, uh, and what I do with the coons is I, since we do multiple plantings, I plant my 
first uh, my first plantings furthest away from the tree line and what i found is that they'll only hit the last one a little bit because they don't go into the field to look that it's, that the other ones are ready so okay. they assume whatever's near the hedgerow so i could trick them that way and uh to, to be quite honest with you Ever since I started to do the deer stopper and the uh, the plot saver program, I have zero problem with deer. Zero. Awesome. Awesome. The, well, that's, ba- the that's bear good. is a different story, uh, but they, it's amazing. We plant on 28-inch rows, and the, we have seven, six, 700-pound bears here, and they'll walk right through those rows. They won't knock down any corner. They'll just go to a patch, and they'll look like uh, like crop circles. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and they'll uh, lay there, but but the bear eats everything. You know who's bad? The squirrels. The squirrels near the tree rows. The squirrels they'll go pull the husk back on the ear of corn, take two nibbles, and go to another one. They're, they're the culprits. Huh. Well, I don't know how to keep the squirrels out. I, I know this. Our, our great aunt, uh, she always had a sweet corn patch, and one of the things that she found, she accidentally well, she left music on, and she thought that would keep them out. But polka music seemed to be pretty effective. So maybe you try some polka music, Ray. <laughs> Hey, they, 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 I guess they're not a fan of Molly B, huh? <laughs> Maybe bears. If you could keep the bears out, that'd be okay. I think they'll be dancing these bears. <laughs> we, we, we got a, we, we have a lot. The, actually, to tell you the truth, the bears. The good thing about the bears is they whatever they take, whatever they take, they eat. They don't des- they don't destroy anything. They'll they'll eat it. So at least with the squirrels, they're they they're just terrible. But we but we got hit with everything this year. We got hit with hail. We got hit with bears. We hit with squirrels. We had birds in the field. So you name it. And uh, we started. I planted my first planting on May twelfth. From January first to May twelfth, we only got ten point oh five inches of moisture here. Uh, that's including snow melt. So it was very dry. But then from May uh, from May 10th to 12th to September 15th, we got 48 inches more. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's. So, <laughs> I can't even deal with that, Ray. We we just never get anything like that. Hey, uh, before I let you go, though, I want to I want to uh, just ask you real quick: Where can people find what you're doing? We we do get questions about every time you're on. People are like, hey, 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 where do we find Ray now? What's he up to? Has he got any new ventures going on? Where where can we find you? Well, thank you very much. Uh, FarmMachineryDigest.com is my website, and then you will find my my podcast, Idle Chatter, is almost anywhere that you could find a podcast. It's also now going to be on Alexa, so you could say Alexa, Idle Chatter, and get that. And then also, as far as my show on rural radio, that is Farm Machinery Digest, and uh, if, that's on Saturdays and Sundays. So basically, if they go to the website, FarmMachineryDigest.com, it'll direct them to wherever wherever they want to go to listen but i thank you for that you bet well ray thank you so much really appreciate having you on here i know uh your harvest is in but glad to he- glad to hear the cover crops going well and and hopefully everything's going well for you and your family too thank you so much you guys have a blessed blessed thanksgiving it's hard to believe it's almost there and i hope to maybe make you two-day soils class but you got to move a little bit closer to new jersey you know <laughs> right. traveling from new jersey to south dakota in the winter is no fun even no if no you've, you've got over some pretty tough roads to come see us so no appreciate it ray thank you so much you have a blessed day thank you bye-bye you too yeah, Ray's always fun, and uh, yeah, check check him out, farmmachinerydigest.com. Tons of great information there. Okay, Brian, got a, got a note here from Harry, and he said, Love your show. I'm new to soil testing, and I'm trying to follow what you guys are doing as much as I can. I just pulled samples for one-acre grids on an 80-acre field. 
and I'm going to send them into Midwest Labs. I'm wondering, is there any reason that I should use the S3C test instead of the much cheaper S3CM test that uses a Malik extraction rather than the DTPA? I'm just wondering, does the Malik include a buffer index? And will it be able to give me good liming recommendations? I, ha yes. I happen to have a good amount of aluminum in some of, some of my ground. Yeah. Yep. No problem. So we're, we switched over from the S3C to the S3CM or Malik test this year. It's just we want to make sure we're getting a complete Malik test. So that means you need excess lime, you need the buffer index, you need to see sodium, you need to see everything, micronutrients and the whole works. So Yep, uh, that's exactly what we're getting. We switched over. It is cheaper. We like it because it, we feel it gives us a much better reading on manganese. That's the main thing. And most of the other stuff correlates. It's a little bit different, but it correlates to the regular test we had run for years. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, this one comes from Meredith. Uh, Meredith said you were talking about grain trucking and mostly looking at how many bushels you had to haul. I'm just wondering, how do you break down which grain elevator might be best to haul to? Do you just look at distance times a certain dollars yep. per mile, yep. or do you also factor in time waiting in line or anything like that? Sure. And also, what trucking rate are you paying yourselves now with higher fuel prices? Uh I, I don't know what we're paying ourselves at the moment. That's a great question. I haven't really run the numbers. But I, I, I it's not terrible. If you look at fuel, it's, uh, it's less than what it was just a few years ago. So, yeah, we had cheap fuel prices for a while because we were pulling more domestic sources, but now we are not. So now fuel has gone back up again. But it's still less than what it was a few years ago when we had all those trucking surcharges. Anyway... Yeah, we're just running the numbers all the time. So if, for example, let's say, so like even on our own farm, we used to do most of our own trucking. Now we just have it higher done because there's some good people locally and we just say, all right, what's it going to cost you or cost us for you to haul to a certain place? And how about these three different places? And we just run their rates. We look at the prices and then we go from there. So it, it's not like super complicated or anything. All right. Thanks for the question, Meredith. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window, makes life simple and it's a secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn swift simple secure veltima fungicide call your basf rep today always read and follow label directions veltima fungicide is not registered in all states did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating the right management plan makes all the difference keep your beans safe with heads up seed treatment 
Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Well, we got an email with a, a link to an article. Uh, this one came in from Jeremy, and he said, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this article in the Illinois Farm Week, especially the part about where the professor from U of I says the levels that he quotes, if you've got these levels, you can skip the fertilizer application this year to save money. I think Read off those levels. I think he's way too low. Uh, okay, Jeremy, uh, let's take a look at this. So uh, he said, if we've got phosphorus in the range of 25 to 30 parts per million, and 150 to 175 parts per million for potassium, you could possibly get by another season without significant yield loss. Now, he doesn't say without any yield loss. He just says without significant <laughs> yield loss. And he said the main issue yeah, I don't want is that. that the P and K will definitely need to be replaced eventually. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, it would have to be replaced. But let's talk about just 25 parts per million. Okay, you multiply times 2 to get pounds per acre. You multiply times 2.3 to get phosphate. That's 115 pounds. All right, now let's pull up. This is Illinois. All right, let's quit messing around. We need to be talking 280 bushel corn, right? I mean, why are we screwing around with 220 or whatever? I mean, you got Illinois soil. Well, of course, I, I should take that back. We don't know if we're talking northern Illinois or southern Illinois or where. All right, so let's be fair here. Let's, let's put 250. Okay, so I'll go to 250. Phosphate, you need 128 pounds. What did I say we had? 115. All right, let's run the math on that. 115 divided by 128. Do you really expect you're going to pull out 90% of the soil's phosphate? No way. No way. He's nuts. All right, and then the, what's the next one? What was the potassium one? 150 to 175. 150 times 2 times 1.2. That's of course, 360 those... pounds of K2O potassium. And for 
250 bushel corn, you need 338 pounds. So again, running the simple math, 338 divided by 360, do you really think we're going to pull out 94% of the soil's K2O potassium? No way. There's no possible chance. No, no. Those levels are too low. Now, if you're talking 150 bushel corn, I'm in agreement. Okay, at 150 bushel corn, I'm fine. But 150 bushel corn isn't going to pay the bills in this day and age in Illinois, in my assum- is my assumption. Okay, so no, those levels are too low. But just like we were talking about with Mark from uh, from Kansas earlier, and well, <laughs> Kansas and Mississippi farms in both places, right? It's Mississippi, right, Darren? Yes. This other place, yeah. yes. Anyway, um, so I, I had just made the comment that look, we can't cut stuff that's making us money, but you also have to be smart about this thing because, yeah, I mean, those levels that he says, they're they're way too low. But, I mean, like on a lot of our ground, we have 6% base saturation case. We probably have six 700 pounds of available K2O potassium or more, 800 maybe. And on phosphorus, we've got, you know, probably three 400 pounds of phosphate that's sitting there available, you know, at least. 250, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Okay. Then I feel like, okay, yeah, I can cut for a year or at least I'll put just a little bit on and I'm going to be okay. But don't be cutting too much because all of a sudden then your yields go down by 20 bushels and you go, hmm, well, was that worth it? I got $5 corn and who knows by next fall, you might have $6 corn. I don't know, but I know you can sell it today for $5. If I lose 20 bushels, that's a hundred dollars an acre, a hundred dollars an acre. And what are you going to save? I mean, yeah, nitrogen's really expensive, but P&K, I mean, to add a few pounds of P&K is not going to cost you $100. So, yeah, if you add a lot of P&K, it is, but a few pounds, it's not. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to get too carried away with this whole cutting thing, and I'm at least going to put a little bit of fertilizer out there so I can hopefully get by. I'll mine a little bit, but I just don't want to get go as far as what he's suggesting. But again, I got to be fair. It all depends on what yield goal you're talking about. So 150 bushel yield goal for his levels, I'm fine. 250, not a chance in the world. All right. Thanks for the for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, this next one comes from SH who says, uh, will sodium bicarbonate change pH with time? Yes, it'll raise it. So if you're using that instead of lime, you can get by with a little bit of that, but you got to be really careful because it's sodium and you can't get your sodium. You don't want to get your sodium levels above 1% in the soil. But think about calcium carbonate versus sodium bicarbonate. I, I mean, you've got some of the same basic things in there. And yes, you absolutely will raise your pH. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Got this one from TD. You said, just wondering what your thoughts are on the yeoman plow off contour. It's basically a straight shank, narrow point kind of plow, just like we've talked about for years with uh, Brilliant Zone Commander. So we like those in a lot of cases to reduce compaction because what we're doing is you're putting slices into the ground to allow roots to get deeper. So rather than stirring things and creating new compaction layers low or anything like that, we just slip through those compaction layers to allow roots to get down deeper and it usually works out fairly well so yeah i don't have any problem with it if you want to run a machine like that all right thank you for the question got this one from brian down in tennessee he said first i i want to say i enjoy watching and listening to your show when i get a chance what i would like to ask you is your opinion about the topic of regenerative agriculture regenerative farming 
I researched this topic. There's quite a bit of information out there, and specifically the practices it talks about I've been using since the Dust Bowl. That's why we have these practices. Just wondering what you think the advantages and disadvantages are to regenerative farming. Okay, so first of all, when you here, hand me that sheet, Darren. I, I wrote that down because I wanted to make sure I had the uh, correct definition on this and what they call regenerative ag, if you look online, it's reversing climate change by building soil organic matter and restoring soil biodiversity. So look, whether you believe in the whole climate change thing or not, I, I mean, and I'll just give you my opinion because whatever, I, I mean, I, I'm not buying it. I just think that it's cyclical. And I think we as human beings have very little to do with the climate change. But we do know if you want to have less carbon dioxide in the air, because that's what a lot of these people are talking about, is that, hey, more carbon dioxide is creating a problem. What do you need? You need more plants, number one, because plants breathe in carbon dioxide, okay, which means we need to produce higher yields. So anybody that's ever talking about anything that hurts yield, like, oh, we got to eliminate tiling and herbicides and, you know, all these things, come on, what do you want? Do you, do you want us to get rid of more carbon dioxide or not? Okay, so we need modern agriculture, number one. And number two, it's the building soil organic matter because that, in effect, stores that carbon dioxide down in the ground. All right, so building soil organic matter, is that a good thing or a bad thing for your soil? Well, in almost all cases, I mean, unless you've got... I, I was at a farm in North Carolina uh, on the coast, and they had 15 20% organic matter in their soil. Okay, that's a little different. They don't need to build anymore. But for most of us farmers, like here in the Midwest, for example, we're dealing with 3% organic matter on average, and there are a lot of guys with one. So if you build soil organic matter, is that a good thing for your soil? All day long. Yes, it's amazing. So we want to build soil organic matter. So what I'm trying to say here is I don't care if you believe in the climate change thing or not. I believe in building my soil and making it better for the next generation. Okay, and I'm guessing you do too. Well, if you do, then we're all talking the same thing. Okay, so we want to build soil organic matter. So the climate people like it. Those of us who want to pass on better ground like it. So it's all a win. So we just have to figure out how to build better, better soil organic matter. And here are the main ways you do that. You reduce tillage, number one. I'm not saying you have to go no-till, but you got to reduce tillage. Number two, you raise crops with lots of roots. Like think corn rather than soybeans. Corn has roughly five times the root mass of soybeans. I'm not saying soybeans are a bad crop, and I'm not saying you can't build soil organic matter with soybeans. I'm just saying it's harder, okay? Number three, use manure or compost. That will help you. Four, cover crops. When it applies, use cover crops. Like on our farm, for example, when we're we're going for grain corn and grain soybeans, there's no chance we're raising a cover crop because corn and soybeans are our cover crop. We harvest when the grounds froze practically. So but when we raise silage or small grains, then absolutely cover crops make sense. And those will help build soil organic better. And then the last thing is using some biological products. So Yes, uh, we are in total agreement with you. These are all things that many farmers have been looking at for years. Many of us have been working on them for years. And it's all headed the right direction for the climate people and for those of us who want to make our soils better. Hey, thank you. Really appreciate that. I got this one from NC. Uh, so you talk about pros and cons of no-till and potassium application makes a lot of sense. That's why my lawn loves lots of K. Hey, you're absolutely right. A lot of things that we talk about here aren't just for corn or soybeans or wheat or cotton or one of these crops. They refer to soils raising anything at all, like even your lawn. Thanks for that feedback. Really appreciate that, NC. 
Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.